Welcome to the Self-Publishing Queen podcast. My name is Josiane Fortin and I'm a self-published author. I'm obsessed with helping and motivating writers to publish their books and share their gift with the world. My goal with this podcast is to inspire you to take action and be the writer you want to be. Let's go! Hello writers, I'm Josiane Fortin and today I'm interviewing Devin J. Hall. Devin is the self-published author of the book Uncomfortable Short Unedited Essays from the Loudmouth Brown Girl. So please tell us a little bit about you. Hi everyone, thank you for having me. Um, so I'm the Loudmouth Brown Girl. I got the name because I got arrested for having a panic attack on a WestJet airplane. And the cop called me a loudmouth brown something else that I, I, I don't like using. And I told him I was going to make that the most famous brand in the world. And then I came home and I started smoking weed. And then I started writing about mental health and sexual trauma and life after abuse um, just as a way to get it out of my head. And then before I knew it, um, three years had gone by and I had become the loudmouth brown girl <laughs> talking about all of these things and, and reaching out to other people and building a community around healing. That's awesome. And you decided to write a book. So when, this, when did this idea come to mind? Oh my goodness. Um, so I had the last four years have been really difficult for everybody around the world. And when you finally come to this place of, I need to heal, um, especially when you're dealing with complex trauma, you're not really sure what that looks like or how it's going to happen. And so I had decided that I was going to wait until I had written 500 posts on the, the Loudmouth Brown Girl website before starting to write a book. And one of my writer friends at the time said, why are you waiting? Like, what is, what's holding you back? I realized that what was holding me back was fear. I was afraid of how it would be received. I was afraid of how people would respond to it. And so I smoked a joint one night and I just started writing. And then I looked up and five days had gone by and I went, oh my goodness, I've written a book. And then I went and I cried for like two hours about how no one was going to read it and how it was going to be terrible. And it was one of the most cleansing and spiritual experiences of my life. How long did it take you to write the whole thing? And did you go to, through like a second draft or how did that work for you? Oh my goodness. Okay. So writers everywhere are going to hate me, especially like professional writers who've been doing this for 30 years. From beginning to end, it took about a week and a half to write the book. And every day I wrote an essay and sometimes I would go back and delete it. And sometimes I would just be like, nope, it's done. That's it. And leave it alone. Pretty much like my blog posts. And then the reason that I decided to publish it was because I knew that if I didn't publish it right away, I was going to get scared and I wasn't going to publish it at all. So, and this is why you should not write when you're stoned. <laughs> Because you don't do things the way you would do them when you're sober. Um, so once the book was finished, I kind of looked at Amazon and I was like, yep, I'm going to put it out there. And I contacted my friend, Kim Rhodes, 
who is a ridiculously famous actress. And I was like, will you read this and tell me what you think? And she read it and she wrote back this, this beautiful text about how it had punched her in the face with my words. And I said, would you be interested in writing like the, the back blurb for it? Because I really couldn't think of anybody else who got me the way that she did. And um, on my website, when you go to my About Me page, you'll find that the essay written there by my friend, Stephen Coughlin, is also in the book. And so part of publishing the book was my way of saying to the world, like, to be honest with you, when I started talking about what I had been through and the experiences that I had had with sexual trauma, I really thought the men that had, had abused me were going to come back and kill me. So my motivation for publishing the book was if I die this year, at least my words will be out there and they can't take that from me. And so that's why I published it. It was, it was genuinely out of fear that I wouldn't get the opportunity to do it later. Knowing what I know now and, and being a little bit less afraid, I probably would have done things differently. Um, but by the same token, the book wouldn't exist if yeah. I hadn't had that fear. So I'm glad to see that you're here today to talk about it. That yeah. sounds really scary. And so what have you learned? Like you were saying you would have done things differently. What would you do different today? I mean, I made a complete career shift. I quit my job about five years ago. And for the first time in my life, I was like, what am I going to do? And I knew that I wanted to be a writer. I just didn't know how I was going to get there. But I think one of the things I would have done differently is I would have put some money away so that I could have got it, gotten it edited because um, editing is very expensive. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. It's a great book and you should all buy it and read it. It's uh, amazing. And every essay in there is beautiful. <laughs> However, um, it would have been nice if I could have, I could have had somebody look it over and kind of detail it a little bit so that it was a little prettier. But um, I think for the most part, I'm just really proud of the fact that it exists at all considering how long it took me to get here and how much I've been through. Yeah. And that sounds like a good advice to give to aspiring authors, but do you have other advice that you'd like to share? Be unafraid. A lot of the posts on my website, when you go to Loudmouth, it is, there's political stuff and there's theological stuff. And there's even some fiction posts that I've written um, just to kind of As a, as a writing exercise, I am very rarely afraid of how my work is going to be received. Because after four years, um, if the idea of loudmouth brown girl doesn't smack you in the back of the head, nothing that I say can surprise you. <laughs> um, and I think that the best writing is writing that challenges you. For instance, this is Black History Month. And instead of writing a post about all of the people who came before me, I wrote a, a post about how angry I am that we have to have a Black history month, that we have to pay attention to the fact that all of these millions of people who came before me died because of racism and abuse. Like, that's not something to celebrate for me. That makes me angry. Most people are writing about all of the people that came before, like... Harriet Tubman and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And that's wonderful, right? But by the same token, there are other angles 
that we can talk about other other topics and other issues that are wrapped in with Black History Month that we can talk about. Your writing should be about you. Um, when you're writing blog posts or essays, your readers should be able to be like, I know this person because they're telling me how they feel. They're showing me how they think. I understand that how they smell oranges might be different from how I smell oranges because they're telling me how they smell oranges and that's not how I smell oranges, right? So it should be, throw yourself into your writing. Put everything you have, throw paint at the wall and see what happens. Because for me, that's when the most beautiful posts come out. Yeah, sounds good. And so you're not afraid, like you said, to put your whole self on the table, which can be really scary for most people. And also, I wanted to hear you talk about how you decided to quit your job and become a writer just like that. <laughs> that was um, it really, was, uh... It's so funny because it was just like that. I was working at a church and uh, my mom worked there. And they had decided that they wanted to do things differently than we had been doing them for the previous 15 years. And so they let her go and they didn't really have a reason to fire me. And as soon as the new person came in, I listened to all their ideas. I listened to what they had to say. And I was just like, this is not how we do things. And this is not conducive to the community that we had spent 15 years building. And sure enough, 359 and I said I quit like I'm out I can't I cannot continue down a path that is making me miserable just so I can get a paycheck every month and unlike a lot of people I am on disability I've been on disability since I was 18 because of all of the trauma that I have been through and the disability check allowed me to volunteer at this church where I eventually ended up having a part-time job where I was able to help people. I was helping people get into recovery. I was providing meals. I was running programs and it was wonderful, but I was really miserable. Every single day we would get a phone call, so-and-so overdose or somebody's girlfriend was beaten up by somebody because he was in a drug rage or something miserable was happening every day. And so when I quit my job, it was sort of like, what the hell am I going to do now? Um, okay, I'm on disability, my rent is paid, my medical bills are paid, that's covered. I talked to my social worker and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she said, honestly, take some time for yourself. My entire 20s had been about helping other people and that was wonderful and superheroic or whatever, but I hadn't, your 20s are supposed to be about discovering who you are. Most people go to college that was not an opportunity that was available to me. So when I quit my job, it was like, I'm going to sit for a year and not do anything and not think about anything and just kind of figure myself out. And I started dating myself. I would go to Vancouver, which is close to where I live. I would go for coffee dates and dinner dates and go to the movies and wander the city and just be a tourist in my home, in my hometown. And I started realizing that I wanted to write. Like I want, I woke up and I was just like, I want to write today. I want to write about how I'm feeling. I want to write about how I'm thinking. I want to write about what I'm doing. And shortly after I started Loudmouth Brown Girl, um, I started a fiction blog. And I started to realize that I really enjoy 
doing fiction blogging as opposed to writing novels because when you're writing a novel, you have to have all the pieces to the puzzle. When you're writing a fiction blog, you get to plug and play the pieces where you wanna go. So I'm working on my second fiction blog and I'm looking back at the first one going, I know exactly why that didn't work. It's because this sentence belongs here and that sentence belongs there. And in my second fiction blog, I'm starting to figure out that all the pieces that didn't fit in the second, in the first blog are fitting together in the second blog. And so quitting my job and starting to write just seemed like a natural progression. Like I had the time to do it. When the pandemic hit, I was like, okay, so now we're turning this into a business <laughs> <laughs> because you can't just sit around and write for the sake of writing. Like you have to actually be able to prove that you can make a living at it. And um, I have an opportunity coming up where I will be paid for the first time to talk about doing being a creative. So it took about four years from quitting my job to getting to this point, but I'm here now and I'm like, ah, I get paid to do this now. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. And what advice would you give to someone who's looking to self-publish? Because you went through that process. You self-published on Amazon, right? Yes. Do you did you self-publish on other platforms too? No, and I'm not by any stretch of the imagination an expert in self-publishing at all. It really, really is super easy. Anybody can do it. Um, and some people say that that devalues the craft, but I disagree with that. Oprah once said that every single human on this planet has a story. And to prove that fact, she once opened up a phone book and called a bunch of people live on her show and said, will you come be on my show? And then she had them on her show to tell their stories. But each one of them had a fascinating story about who they were and how they became who they became. My style is going to be to punch you in the face and tell you that if you want to do something, you got to get up off your butt and get it done. Yeah. My friend Anya, however, another black writer is going to be a little bit more considerate and kind and loving and supportive. I'd like to know, how do you promote your books? Because it's always hard when you're self-published or even when you're traditionally published to get people to hear about you and about your book. So what has been effective for you? What have you tried? Okay. Writers everywhere are going to hate me for this too. I don't promote my book. Okay. Um, and I have a very specific reason for that. And it's not because I don't want the book to sell. It's not because I don't want people to read it. It's because even though I've done about seven of these interviews now, I think I am still an introvert and I don't like talking about myself. I like I'm looking at you as I, as we're doing this conversation and I can see myself out of the corner of my eye and I'm trying to ignore that as much as possible. <laughs> like I'm wearing my hoodie because it is literally my safety net. Like it makes me feel more comfortable and safe. I do not like promoting myself at all. I can promote a blog post until the cows come home, but to promote my book, It's like the more eyes that see it, the more that there's going to be a chance people are going to be like, hey, wait a minute. I don't agree with this. And I want to talk to you about why I don't agree with this. And then an argument's going to ensue. And then I'm going to have to tell them why they're wrong. And I don't want to deal with that trauma. So I don't promote <laughs> my book. However, that being said, um, I have learned that a great way to promote your book is to talk about it in podcasts. 
because a people are going to want to know what you had to say why is this book important why does it matter to me? Maybe I should go see what they have to say. When people ask me questions about what it means to be a Black creator, I'm like, have you read my book? In the book, you'll read an essay about, um, it's directed at white families who have adopted Black kids. And it talks about how to take care of their hair, how to get them connected with, with other Black kids in the community, what kind of responsibilities come with raising Black children. Because raising Black children comes with different responsibilities than raising white kids you're gonna have to have the conversation about the fact that yo you're you're black or you're mixed race and other people are gonna have issue with that when black people ask, or white people ask questions about x y or z i point them to my book it's a great marketing tool <laughs> it just what, is. what inspired you to write about adoption were you adopted yourself no i wasn't adopted but my mom is white she's english irish scottish and gypsy and then my dad is Jamaican. So I often joke that I am the whitest black girl on the planet because my mom is, she's got a lot of white in her. Um, and growing up, she didn't know how to take care of my hair. She didn't have anybody to teach her how to get me connected to other black kids. We didn't have a lot of black kids in our communities growing up. And so that was, it was really easy to translate my experience to the experience of other black kids who are being raised by white people whether they're adopted or it's genetic the experiences of black kids are the same we deal with racism we deal with bigotry we deal with isolation we deal with not knowing how to take care of our hair like the black hair industry is massive that is a trillion dollar industry if you can get in on that you will get paid because a lot of black kids grow up not knowing how to take care of their hair so they're going to YouTube videos, they're buying books, they're reading and, and learning about, about stuff as adults that they weren't taught as kids. Um, so it was really important to me to address that in the book because when you're writing on a blog, that's one platform. Twitter is another platform. Then you have Instagram. Well, your book is a platform. And it's important for your book to represent your overall brand. And my overall brand is being the loudmouth brown girl who talks about things that are uncomfortable for people, uh, which is why it's cool that a good portion of my audience is white people, because they're being educated through my words, which is kind of neat, kind of weird, but it's kind of neat. So you're helping people still, like you didn't want to keep helping people, that, but that was still not helping. the intent. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that I've done to this point, um, starting the blog was about dealing with my mental health and finding an outlet. Writing the book was just about like, can I even do this? Is it possible just to show myself that I could? Starting the podcast, um, we were in the middle of a pandemic and I was lonely and I was like, I'm, I'm all alone and I have no friends and I can't go anywhere, do anything. And I needed people to talk to. So it's, it's all been selfish, but the benefit of putting your words out there for other people is that they learn from your experience and they tell you that they've learned from your experience and then you feel good about your own experience and it builds your confidence and you take more risk and it just feels really cool. So right now, are you focusing more on creating uh, content for your blog or are you working on other books? Literally after I wrote, I published, I published the first book. And then I tweeted out that I had published it and it was like 2.30 in the morning. And I'd done that on purpose because I didn't want to make a big deal about it. 
And someone was like, so when's the next one come out? And so I am working on a second book. I'm still working on the podcast. I'm still creating content for the website, but I'm also working with an amazing group of, of cannabis educators from around the country of Canada who are teaching people how to use cannabis, which just feels really cool because it's one thing to say, I wrote my book when I was stoned. It's another thing to be like, here's this amazing medication that helped me get over my anxiety, my fear, my depression, and has taught me so much about just being a a woman of color in this crazy wild world we live in. So I get to work with education. I just joined a group of amazing women called um, the Afro Canada Bud Sisters, all brown women from around the world that smoke weed and are creative and wonderful, wonderful human beings. Um, so writing, writing the book was a selfish act. Creating the website and the podcast was selfish, but the benefits of who I've become since writing the book far outweigh how many sales I've had or how much money I've made. Sounds like you're really busy. (laughs) You have a lot going on. (laughs) I I don't know how this happened. Four years ago, I was sitting here smoking weed and writing. And now all of a sudden people are like, so we want to pay you for this. And I'm like, wait, really? (laughs) Like, I, I, I still don't know how it all happened. It just goes to show that when you persevere, then like doors end up opening, like it, it will just happen would just work out. And you talked about a lot of your different things that you're working on. If people want to know more, if they want to connect with you, where can they find you on the internet? I am on Twitter almost exclusively, like I would say 23 hours a day. Uh, So you can find me on Twitter at Devin J. Hall. Facebook at original LMBG, Instagram at, and at loudmouthbrowngirl.com. Awesome. I'll make sure to share all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Devin, for being Thank on the podcast today. Me. It was a pleasure. A wonderful, wonderful host. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to share it with me by leaving me a review. If you are ready to publish your book, let me take your hand in my course, How to Self-Publish on Amazon. I will show you every step you need to take to successfully go through the publishing process on the platform. Keep on writing, 